Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe's across from me. Mr. Rob is across from me. And as has been the case on... Uh, it's uh, a little almost. crowded over here with both Rob and I in the same chair. Uh, oh, he's You on said the we're both across. The... That's better. He's on the other side of the glass. There you go. <laughs> All right. And uh, also, when I look up, I see Brian Kirsten. <laughs> I know it must be Tuesday. He's been on the radio a couple of two, three... Uh, this will be your fourth appearance? on the radio, I think. I, I believe that's correct. Yes, yeah, sir. absolutely. Okay. Always an honor to be here. Well, thank you so much for coming in. All right, so let's get the full intro going here on the Mark Sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-956. Oh, it's not open. It will be after Mr. Bryan has uh, moved on these judicial candidates. Uh, We're going to ask them 100 questions. So uh, if you wish to send us a question, send it uh, to... Uh, on the mark at WKOK.com. You can also text it to 70236, include the keyword OTM. So we want to make that clear. Brian Kerstetter is here. He has been an assistant district attorney in Snyder County and at one point a public defender in Snyder County. Brings a lot of endorsements uh, to the race, a lifelong Republican, and is a, a candidate for judge in the 17th Judicial District, which incorporates uh, Snyder and Union County into one district. If he is successful, he'll replace Michael Hudock, who is, uh, what, retiring is what's the exact right word? That's correct. Right word. Okay, super. Wasn't on the bench that long, but made a real positive impact over there while he was uh, helping out. So that's, uh, we miss him already. All right, Brian, uh, I want you to do a brief introduction of yourself. We have a different audience than the one you might be used to on Sunrise, so uh, let our audience know who you are. Sure. Um Again, my name is Brian Kerstetter. Um, I was born and raised in the uh, Lewisburg area. Uh, I'm the son of a retired uh, police chief, uh, Ron Kerstetter. Uh, he was there for approximately 28 years. Uh, my mother uh, was a registered nurse at the State Correctional Institute at, at Muncie, I believe for nearly uh, 20 years. Um, I built my home in Kelly Township. I've lived there uh, for over 20 years uh, after having been born and raised directly in Lewisburg. The only time that I really left uh, this area was to attend school. Uh, came back in 1999, hung out my own shingle. Uh, I've been involved in private practice uh, since 1999, so that's going on uh, about 22 years. Um, as you pointed out, Mark, I, I, my first job in the courthouse was as a public defender uh, in Snyder County. I was uh, the first assistant public defender uh, under uh, public defender Donna Nasser back in December of 1999. Uh, did that job for about a year and a half. Uh, thereafter, I was hired by uh, then District Attorney, now Judge uh, Mike Sholley, 
uh, did the DA thing for uh, approximately six years, um, gave that up for a little bit to focus on my private practice, uh, got back in in 2011, and I've been there ever since. Uh, that's really where I cut my teeth as a trial attorney, and during that time I conducted over 100 uh, jury trials, both civil and criminal, uh, in both counties. Uh, in my private practice, I've done all the things that a common, ju common pleas judge would hear uh, on a regular basis basis uh, from family law matters, uh, divorce, custody, support, uh, civil litigation, adoptions, guardianships, uh, things of that sort. Uh, for 20 years I've been the attorney for the domestic relations sections in Union and Snyder County. Uh, I've been the sol solicitor for several local townships, municipal authorities, and zoning hearing boards, uh, both within Union and Snyder County and without. Um, I was on the uh, board of the Susquehanna Valley Law Enforcement Camp Cadet uh, since its inception in 2004, I believe. I've uh, been their counsel uh, since then. I'm counsel to the Buffalo Valley Regional Police Commission. I represent numerous businesses throughout Pennsylvania. Uh, I've been a guardian ad litem representing uh, children in custody cases, etc. I've been a custody conference officer and I've taught uh, classes at the McCann School of Business. So uh, that's just a little bit about me. Uh, I know that I've been over that uh, on your show numerous times. Well, the before. Sunrise. That, yeah, that's the elevator that's pitch. That's quite an impressive resume, but. <laughs> Now, we had, just to, to set the record straight, uh, we had a caller on the program who obviously supports your opponent and basically said that you're not a Republican. And there seems to be a lot and this race being made about who's Republican, who's not a Republican. Would you explain the political setup that, that that's in this race right now, Brian, and your part in it? Sure. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, I think really since the last uh, presidential election, it's become, uh, you know, Democrats versus Republicans and Republicans uh, versus Democrats. And that's certainly not what we want uh, in a judicial race. And that's why cross-filing is permitted uh, for common pleas judges in Pennsylvania. It's also permitted for magisterial district judges. And cross-filing is a system that allows uh, individual candidates to seek the nomination of both parties in Pennsylvania. Um, both myself and my opponent received the required 250 uh, nomination signatures to be on both the Republican and the Democratic ballot. Uh, in the spring. It just so happens that I got more Democratic votes and she got more uh, Republican votes. That doesn't change uh, how we are both registered uh, to vote in Pennsylvania. Uh, I've been a registered Republican since I initially registered to vote uh, when I turned 18 years old. Um, been a registered Republican ever since. Uh, you know, and I don't support radicalism on either side uh, of the aisle. Uh, and frankly, I was honored to have received the Democratic nomination in the spring because this isn't supposed to be uh, a political uh, position. And I want to make it clear to the listeners that no matter who you vote for uh, on November 2nd, which is next Tuesday, you're going to be voting for a Republican. Uh, my name is going to have Democratic or Democrat underneath it, and my opponent is going to have the word Republican underneath it. But again, uh, that doesn't change who we are. It does not change the fact that we don't check voters registration when people walk into the courtroom. That's why cross-filing is permitted. So, uh, you know, 
I would encourage the listeners not to get bogged down in this whole Republican versus Democrat thing uh, on next Tuesday and vote for the candidate who has the the most and the best uh, experience and the candidate who has demonstrated that um, he's ready for the job. Well, there are some people who believe, I'm sorry, who believe that uh, the people around here would vote for the Republican elephant if it were on the ballot. <laughs> do you know, do you do you think you're at a decided Something decision? wrong with that. <laughs> no, not in my opinion. Do you think there's... Uh, <laughs> Now you made me lose my train of thought (laughs) with a funny comment. But seriously, with the Republican Party, uh, your opponent signs a Republican. And why why is it such a big deal? Is it the registration edge? Is that what's what's at play here? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, I think at last count we're talking about 70 to 80 percent registered Republicans in both Union and Snyder County. So, you know, I don't dispute the fact uh, that it's an uphill climb. Uh, I think we also need to be aware of the fact that these particular elections elections have extremely low voter turnout uh, in the spring. Uh, I I think we had something in the neighborhood of 30 percent of voters who appeared to vote uh, in the spring primary. That is a very, very, very small uh, percentage. Um, We see that typically in judicial races and races for school board, and those are really the only two issues that are going to be on the ballot uh, here on November 2nd. Um, You know, we're hopeful that voters are going to turn out uh, next Tuesday and vote for me. And if they do, there's plenty of votes uh, left to be had out there um, in both counties. Bear in mind that your spring primary is a closed primary. Um, So with the exception of this primary where independents were allowed to vote on the constitutional questions that were on the ballot, typically it's only Republicans and Democrats. There are a significant number of uh, other registered voters uh, who will be permitted to vote uh, in the November 2nd uh, election, and that's the demographic that, that we're uh, targeting uh, for that date. Is it safe to say you're the pro-gun candidate in this race with the Gun Owners of America endorsement and the pro-law uh, and order candidate with the State Troopers Association? Well, I would hope so. I, w- I would hope that those two uh, endorsements reflect that about my personality. As I said, I was raised by a police officer. Uh, I have a criminal justice degree. I actually thought I was going to follow uh, in my father's footsteps. Uh, um, as I said earlier, you know, I got out of the district attorney gig uh, for just a while, and I realized that, uh, you know, I really couldn't get that sort of uh, thing out of my blood, and that's why I went back, and that's why I've been there ever since, and I think that's why uh, law enforcement in general has supported uh, this candidacy. The reason why I got the endorsement of the Gun Owners of America is for my work on the Second Amendment sanctuary ordinances uh, in two of the townships that I represent, uh, those being Gregg Township uh, and Limestone Township. Uh, That was the the main reason why Gun Owners of America uh, gave me their endorsement, and I certainly don't want to take too much of the credit um, for uh, those ordinances being passed. That was all the work of the supervisors in both of those townships. I just simply lended a helping hand. The legal community is relatively small in Snyder and Union County, so if you wind up um, winning this race, it's quite possible that you would at some point encounter your opponent, and certainly it's for sure she'd encounter you if she were to win. Uh, I know there's a lot of emphasis placed on judicial temperament, but how would you be able to put things like that behind you and deal impartially with people who actively supported the other candidate? Well, I think it's about professionalism. 
you know, we are in an adversarial system. So day in and day out, we deal with people who oppose our views. Sometimes the judge up on the bench um, opposes our views. And it's about being uh, an advocate for our clients and, and, and making um, good faith arguments on behalf of clients. It's about, you know, putting uh, personal issues aside when you're sitting up on the bench. Uh, you know, I said before that there's a reason why Lady Justice wears a blindfold and that the scales are balanced. Uh, judges are supposed to uh, judge cases based on the facts uh, that are presented in court and not bring with them, uh, you know, any preconceived notions about uh, any person or uh, anything uh, in any case. So uh, I, I would certainly hope that my temperament is such that, that I could put those things uh, aside. Uh, um, you know, as far as my opponent potentially coming in front of me, uh, that's not particularly likely to happen if she remains uh, a magisterial district judge, because uh, in a general sense, magisterial district judges who are also attorneys uh, don't practice much uh, in courts of common pleas because of the, the, the conflict situation that could be present there. I mean, the, the judges of the court of common pleas are, are technically their bosses. So, you know, it's probably going to be more an issue uh, if my opponent is successful and I end up uh, coming before her, so I would leave it to her to answer that question about how she might respond in that particular situation. But for my part, um, you know, I can put all of that aside and be fair and impartial because that's what's required of common pleas judges. What about endorsements in general? We talked a little bit about those uh, two endorsements that you have. The the rest of your endorsement list looks like a lawyer's ball invitation list. It's uh, really a lot of attorneys around here. But what about endorsements? We have one individual who's endorsed as you know the person says I'm the U.S. congressman around here, and I support this candidate. Or another one says, I'm the state representative, and I support this. Is that really fair to have people using their official titles to help uh, pick and choose people on the ballot? Well, it's permitted. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, you know, I've been... Uh, I haven't sought any endorsements from uh, politicians since the beginning of this race, primarily because this is not a political position. It is not supposed to be um, political. Uh, that is the main reason why I haven't gone to politicians and uh, specifically asked for their endorsements. I've gone to the folks who know uh, what common pleas judges do on a daily basis, uh, the folks who have seen what I've done in my 22-year career, uh, primarily in the courtroom, and yeah, that's at this at last count 28 uh, active and retired attorneys in both Union and Snyder County, and that's significant um, because again, you know, if if you need heart surgery, uh, you're not likely to go ask your mechanic who the best heart surgeon is. You're typically going to ask other doctors, and when you're searching for your next common pleas judge, one would think that the opinion of the attorneys who know what common pleas judges do and have seen those attorneys, uh, seen the, the candidate um, and their skills in the courtroom, that that, that would have uh, some impact on people. I know that, that, that the public perception of attorneys uh, may be negative, uh, but again, those individuals know what's required uh, better than anyone. Well, you both have, you're both lawyers, you both have extensive legal experience or, you know, been long-standing attorneys in this area. So what's the difference between you as candidates? What makes Brian Kerstetter the best candidate for this position? Experience, um, bottom line. Um 
we talk in terms of qualifications for judge on certain uh, occasions. I think that term gets used uh, quite frequently when we're talking about judge candidates. But frankly, you know, an individual who has just passed the bar exam uh, is qualified to be a common pleas judge. That doesn't necessarily make uh, him or her the best choice. Uh, I would imagine that uh, a doctor who has just passed their medical boards is qualified to do a heart transplant, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make them the best choice. So I like to use the word uh, experience, and I have it. Um, you know, again, for 22 years, I've been doing the exact sorts of things that common pleas judges do on a daily basis. I'm trial tested with those uh, 100 uh, civil and criminal jury trials. That's experience that my opponent uh, just doesn't have. And a, and a large percentage of what common pleas judges do are criminal matters uh, and family law matters. I think that probably accounts for about 65 to 70 percent uh, of the workload in Union and Snyder County. And the DA work has certainly prepared me for the criminal cases. Uh, my primary practice area uh, for the last 22 years uh, in my private office has been uh, family law, so divorce, custody, support. You know, I mentioned the 20 years as the domestic relations uh, solicitor in both counties. Uh, that's, a, that's a full court day, two days uh, per month, collecting uh, child and, and spouse support uh, for families in both Union and Snyder County. And again, that's experience that my opponent just simply does not have. Um, you know, I've said that I'm able to hit the ground running uh, on January 1st of 2022. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Brian Kerstetter, who's a candidate uh, on the ballot for 17th Judicial District Judge in Snyder and Union Counties. If you have a question for him, you can email us at onthemark at wkok.com. You can also text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The summary Motors Way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark Speedy Dial. No, check that. No. Speedy Texters, <laughs> 70236 at OTM. Make sure you include the keyword OTM. Or you can email us at on the market, WKOK.com. We're talking to Brian Kerstetter, who's a judicial candidate. Uh, did you author, write, supervise, find out about, approve any of the anonymous letters in circulation these days? No, I did not. I was not even uh, aware of those. As I said before, uh, I think there are probably 
probably individuals who support both of our campaigns that we'd rather not uh, have out there. Um, you know, I've 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 kept myself uh, out of that. Quite frankly, I'm certainly aware that it's taking place out there. I'm not going to sit here and suggest disingenuously uh, that I haven't seen the letters. Um, you know, we've asked individuals to not do things uh, in in the name of my committee, uh, but we understand that it's taking place. No, none were authored by me, none were seen by me, none were approved by me. Well, some of them say that, uh, you know, why I haven't seen any that um, benefit her. I've seen a couple that uh, benefit you, I would think, in the election. They really don't. They actually, I'm not even sure that they name you. They just say how uh, either unqualified or unfair she's been in certain things or, um, you know, places, people who are on the outside of the judicial system saying that uh, they don't like what she did or said. Well, if it's, in, if it's the same individual that I'm thinking of, at this point, as probably most of your listeners are aware, that feud was going on well before, um, you know, this particular race. Um, that individual has uh, had signs up uh, in this two locations. 204 court or Yes. Signs? Okay. Yes. I haven't seen them, but I've heard about 204, them. 522, I think there's uh, some signs. Uh, that That is a long-standing feud uh, that is going on between my opponent uh, and that particular individual, and, and, and quite Quite frankly, uh, I don't feel very flattered about it because uh, I don't think it would have mattered if Charles Manson would have been the other opponent uh, <laughs> in this race. Um, he would have supported Charles Manson. Um, so it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with, with Brian Kerstetter, I don't believe, and, and my qualifications and experience uh, to be judge. I think it has to do with a feud that's been going on uh, for, for well prior to this election. All right, back to your experience and your resume. You've had over 100, what, criminal? and civil trials? That's correct. Do you know how many she has had? Uh, To our knowledge, none. Um, We've done a check of the records in in both counties. Um, We don't find any evidence of of any civil or criminal uh, jury trials. Uh, Perhaps uh, one uh, DUI plea uh, in Snyder County uh, would be her common pleas court uh, criminal experience. Now, to be fair, uh, she does have experience with uh, criminal cases as an MDJ, but only in the sense that she's uh, making a determination about whether or not there's probable cause uh, to send the case to court. Okay. Uh, mentors, who do you look up to? Who's uh, your uh, North Star when it comes to judicial temperament and behavior? Sure. Um, yeah, as I indicated at the beginning when I came back uh, and hung out my own shingle, I, I, I think I was, I may have been the first attorney uh, in an awfully long time to have done that uh, right out of law school. Most attorneys, when they return from law school at a young age, end up, uh, you know, in an office with someone else where they can, uh, you know, learn. I didn't do that. Um, I had a ton of attorneys, though, who were uh, 100% willing to assist me uh, when I had any questions, uh, you know, attorneys who had been involved in the system uh, for an awfully long time, uh, and I could pick up the phone and call those individuals uh, whenever I had a, a, a problem or a question. I could talk to them you know, about personal matters. I could talk to them uh, about legal matters. So it's really hard to, to narrow it down uh, to just one in terms of uh, attorneys. Um, 
But, you know, I did look up to uh, Judge Sholley. Uh, he hired me as his first assistant, very wisely so, uh, back in 2001. Uh, and at that time, Judge Hudock uh, was the other assistant. So it was it was Sholley, Kerstetter, and Hudock in the Snyder County District Attorney's Office uh, for years until those two, two gentlemen um, were uh, promoted. And I learned an awful lot uh, from both of them about how to be a courtroom attorney, uh, about the rules of evidence, about the uh, rules rules of procedure that judges have to follow uh, when they're in the courtroom. And, you know, I, again, it sounds cliched, but 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 my parents have always been uh, my mentors. I always looked up to my, my father in uniform, uh, you know, when I was a young kid. And, and, and even to this day, um, you know, I've always said that he sort of was the one who initially instilled in me uh, this love of the law. Uh, you know, seeing him be able to, to rattle off, um, you know, provisions of the crime Crimes code and uh, the rules of procedure and things like that was just fascinating uh, to me. Um, you know, he, he instilled in me that love of the law, and, and my mother, as a nurse, I think instilled in me a sense of compassion for others. And I think those are two really good qualities to have uh, in a common pleas judge. But those are my mentors. Well, whether we like it or not, politics does play a part in in getting a municipal or getting a, a common pleas court judge elected. I'm curious now. You you ran as a Republican and a Democrat. In the primary, you were both, you and your opponent were both there. Has there been anyone who endorsed you in the primary that has withdrawn that endorsement because you now don't bear the label they like? <laughs> well, I, I think I know who you're talking about, and yeah, that would be that would be my boss, uh, the district attorney in Snyder County, uh, who had initially uh, endorsed me uh, as a candidate and then uh, changed his endorsement. Um, I would say that I haven't received a formal withdrawal of his endorsement uh, at this point, um, but he has clearly come out and endorsed my opponent, um, you know, I suspect that that is for purely political reasons. I mean, look, a, a lot of the reason why politicians um, have endorsed my opponent is because they need to be reelected when the time comes for reelection. And, and, you know, as you pointed out, Joe, um, you know, this is a heavily Republican-dominated... Mm-hmm. You have uh, the scarlet D on there. <laughs> i got to stop you there because sure. you only have a minute left, mm-hmm. and if you want to make a final closing argument, this is your opportunity. Well, you know, again, uh, I would encourage your listeners to, to take the time to do the research uh, on the candidates. If you don't know who we are by now, then you're not paying attention. Um, you know, go on Facebook at Kerstetter uh, for Judge. Check out our website at kerstetterforjudge.com. Uh, uh, again, don't don't assess who you're going to vote for as judge based on qualifications. Uh, do it based on experience. If you do that, I think that you'll find that I am uh, by far the most experienced and best candidate for this p- position. I'm ready to hit the ground running, and I would certainly ask for your vote on November the 2nd. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian Kerstetter, candidate for judge in the 17th Judicial District, a lifelong Republican. You'll find his name on the Democratic side of the ballot, thanks to the spring primary election where uh, those Democrats who exist around here nominated you. So thank you so much. Good luck. We'll see you in a week. Thanks, thank Brian. you, gentlemen. Brian Kerstetter, Lewisburg attorney at law running for judge. We're going to return with open phones here. We'll do some brief news headlines. We'll let you talk about the topic of your selection during open phones. Maybe you have a reaction to our judicial coverage. Uh, we can talk about that plus more. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.
News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is across from me. Mr. Rob's on the other side of the glass. They're making sure that everything is at the ready for our show. We're going to enjoy open phones. You can call in and talk to us about any of the goings on in Washington, D.C. or Harrisburg. We had one of the judicial candidates here a moment ago, so you can talk about that particular race. A lot of things have been brought up and talked about in that particular race. So, uh, uh, whomever wins will have to set aside uh, some of the uh, uh, partisanship and make sure that they remember the, well, I guess it isn't partisanship, they're both Republicans, but set aside uh, the fact that this is a pretty hotly contested race and, uh, you know, remember that fairness and judicial temperament that would be uh, required of a judge, so we'll be following that. We invite you on election night to stay tuned to WKOK.com and the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app and our Facebook page. We'll keep the election results uh, posted there and let you know uh, what is happening throughout the evening. We have open phones right now, 1-800-795-9565 on the mark sponsor of the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Talked about beagles yesterday and gain of function again and Dr. Fauci and that prompted uh, uh, email that's a little bit too long to read but uh, and we'll, we have a call coming in we'll too. read the first and last paragraphs of it uh, and uh, another listener talks about Tunisia and that word came up yesterday so uh, we can talk talk about that. And we could talk about the big governor's race in Virginia, where the main issue is what's being taught in our schools. Oh, back to critical race theory again. All right. Well, not just that. All right. And other topics as well. And uh, so we'll talk about that, uh, these kinds of topics. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. You can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We do have some very brief news headlines here from Penn Live today. Three men have been arrested in a federal sting operation into child prostitution around here. Uh, no details on the arrests of Eric Metzger, Patrick Taylor, and Frank Nork being released yet. Penn Live reporting that they were ordered detained Monday by a Middle District federal magistrate. Uh, the three were charged by criminal complaint, which hasn't been unsealed. It's uh, labeled that it's attempted entice- enticement of a minor to engage in sexual activity or prostitution. Metzger and Nork were arrested in Union County. Taylor in Snyder County. We have a few more details from PennLive about that at WKOK.com. Major Mayor Kurt Karlovich is ready to hand out some bonuses and hopefully some raises, too, in Sunbury. The mayor, first of all, last evening discussed uh, dispersing some of the city's American Rescue Funds to full-time and part-time employees who worked through the pandemic tirelessly, to quote him. Full-time staff would receive $2,000, part-time staff $1,000, and council agreed. Mayor Karlovich is also so stepping back slightly from his $15 an hour minimum wage for city employees, now proposing $14.50 an hour for full-timers and $13.50 an hour for part-timers, and those would be the floors of those salaries. Some other salaries would go up. Council member Josh Brose has commented that council would need to get more information from the treasurer about the long-term impacts of those salary increases before a final decision can be made. We have lots more about Sunbury City Council at WKOK.com. Why 
One particular state senator is calling for passage of legislation to combat gun violence on the eve of tomorrow's third anniversary of the Tree of Life Synagogue's shooting massacre in Pittsburgh. Our correspondent Mark Sims has that story. Senator Wayne Fontana says his extreme risk protection order bill would allow families and law enforcement to petition a court to temporarily take guns away from a person deemed to be a threat to themselves or others. Fontana says he initially introduced this bill after 11 people were killed in the nation's worst anti-Semitic attack on October 27, 2018. I'm saddened that three years after the attack on our friends and neighbors in Pittsburgh, I am still standing here pleading that the legislature enact an extreme risk protection order law. This is about potentially preventing another mass shooting in Pennsylvania. 17 states and Washington, D.C. already have extreme risk protection order laws on the books. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. And Joe and I like to look at uh, Facebook to look for grandchildren, not our own grandchildren in this particular, in my case, but Mark Zuckerberg wants to get us off of Facebook. Uh, he doesn't want us crazy old people, 60 plus, on Facebook. <laughs> really? Anymore. We're not allowed? Nope. He says he's retooling the social media company to attract more 18 to 29 year olds. Uh, right now, 71% of Facebook users are 56 and old. It's turned the site into a hotspot for conspiracy theories and misinformation with platforms like TikTok and Snapchat. Does that make it sound like us old folks are just nuts? Uh, well, we'll believe anything. And uh, they, those, the Gen Zers are on TikTok and Snapchat. And, of course, Joe doesn't even know what Snapchat is. Yes, I do. My grandson's on it. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, Mark Zuckerberg wants to get us off of Facebook and get just kids on board. So it'll have a faster pace and more movement pictures and more things going on at the same time that Joe and I can't stand on Facebook. <laughs> All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We have a couple of emails uh, pending and uh, no texts yet, but we got callers standing by, so we go to callers first. It is the WKOK live telephone uh, talk show. Uh, with that, we'll welcome Stan back to the radio. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning. Hey, that uh, gun law that guy, that Fontana guy's trying to get through, I just heard on the news he talked about. Extreme risk, uh, what is it, protection order law that he's trying to get passed? Right. Isn't right. there already? You know, I'm going to ask a really simple question, okay? The guy that went into the synagogue out there was a nut job, no doubt. But who was going to put an extreme protection risk protection order against him? So doesn't somebody have to file that against the person? How's that happen? I have no idea. I'm not super familiar with that particular case, Joe. Um, I'm aware of it, uh, but yes, I think someone in the family or someone in law enforcement, someone has to have a reason for getting a mental commitment. I think police can, what, uh, put you away for a 48-hour assessment if you're, well, okay. behaving, uh, if you're behaving irrationally uh, and erratically. But you have rights, even as someone who's accused of being a little mentally unstable. Well, it, okay, if somebody, if the cops put you in a mental facility involuntarily, that strips you of all gun rights in your present and future, okay? That's plain and simple. That, that ends it. You're done. No more guns for you if the cops do that to you. But my question is, how do they determine who they're going to put this against? I mean, somebody has to report this guy as he, he's a whack job, right? Well, in theory, he's a whack job. Yes. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Term? If somebody re- that, but isn't there already uh, 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 protection orders, uh, PFAs that go against people? So we're going to have a redundancy in law. 
and they take guns. If you have a PFA against you, they take your guns. Right, that exists. We right. Faster than before. We know that law changed. Well, this will be a red flag law. Might change the criteria. Judges haven't seen the oh, law. This is oh, our oh, first oh, glimpse oh, it's at it. a red it. flag law. Well, it's well, pretty that close to it. That ain't how they're passing it. Well, maybe it's not a red flag law. I'm just listening to the report. So it seems similar to some if you have an opportunity to uh, you know, people get to weigh in on the relative danger that somebody poses. So I don't know. To be continued. Check out Penn Live or the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. They cover these things pretty extensively. I haven't seen more about it. But I, I think that, right. you know, there certainly has to be some provision for people who d- exhibit b- bizarre behavior or threatening behavior uh, to be called to law enforcement's attention. But they still have rights that need to be protected, you know, so you just can't s- slap somebody in a mental institution because someone else feels they, they might be a danger to themselves and others. So you always run the risk that that person will actually be mentally unstable and commit a crime or commit a shooting that that's, winds up being a heinous act. Free societies are messy, aren't they? Now, that's not really why I called, but I just heard that I on your news that. thing. That's why I had to mention that. <laughs> he wanted to complain uh, about Democrats. <laughs> well, that's true. That's what it was. Democrats pushing, you know, the right now, Janet Yellen, you know, she's a Treasury Secretary, and the Democrats are trying to push through uh, tax on unrealized gains. Now, they say it's going to go against the wealthy people. You know, they have uh, stocks and properties and stuff that you know, may go up in value or may, maybe has appreciated over time, but they've never sold it to realize any gain. They want to tax that money. All right. That in, uh, there was a court case in, uh, 1920 Supreme court, Eisner V McComer that, uh, settled that supposedly, you know, Supreme court rulings are always settled law. Correct. Ain't that what we're told all the time? Uh, you know, this woman McComer had, uh, Standard Oil stocks back in the 19-teens. And uh, Standard Oil uh, did a stock split. So she gained, uh, I think, like a 1,000 more shares of stocks from them. They wanted to tax her on that supposed increase in income for although she never cashed it in, she just got more stock. And Mm. the Supreme Court said, no, 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 that's not income. You can't tax that. But this is what the Democrats are trying to do. All right, we and gotta it's, get and it's under, call. okay, Hague Simons. People need to look up Hague Simons. It's a theory, tax, taxation theory, that was postulated out in the 1930s, and that's what they're going off of. So people need to look it up and see what they're trying to do. Because they say it's for the rich, but it's going to come down, and it's going to affect everybody with any type of property or anything else. Well, yes. It's going to be a... You know, federal property tax, and it needs to be stopped. Yes, yeah, six hundred dollars. I thought, holy smokes! No, no, no. It's not even that. It's not even that. It's not. It's not even has anything to do with them. Oh, that's uh, different. You know, sneaking around and and spying on your bank accounts. This is what? other stuff. Your property, anything that you haven't sold, but maybe has accrued more value. Say your property. Right now, property, real estate's going through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you know, but if you unless you sell it, you're not going to see that value. But the feds want to maybe tax you on it. It hasn't gone through yet, but they're they're talking about it. All right, we got you. Thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yep, All right, appreciate the thanks call. A lot. Uh, Mike yep. from Bloomsburg, you're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, I believe that uh, there's a confluence of events taking place right now in, in our country and the world as a whole that are creating a very dangerous situation for for us here in the United States. You know, frankly, I believe we're in a, a fight for survival. Uh, 
And it's kind of like uh, in World War II, you know, the, the society went on here, but we had no idea whether we were going to win or lose that war and what was going to happen. And right after 9-11 is another example where we were attacked here in our homeland, and, and the, we were basically in disarray. We didn't know what was coming next. You know, we had no idea. It, but with, fast forward to today, what I think the problems are is we have big technology and social media that are aligned with one party, okay? And that censorship is becoming something that's, that's being accepted, widely accepted by at least half the population. And other problems, we have these uh, nonprofit activist groups, which, yeah, nonprofits are good, activist groups are good, but when they rely on government funding, what do they want? More government. Uh, government unions want bigger government. Our, our public schools are basically advocating for, you know, government is a solution to everything, and, and, and they're, you know, creating uh, a situation where I think that they lean towards the left and the Democrats. What's and, an example and, you know, of one of these nonprofit advocacy groups that's government-funded? Well, we're, you know, most, okay, a lot of them get money from, uh, you know, public, uh, you know, rich people, but they also rely on government grants. If you look at what is going to be coming if we get the 35 trillion dollar uh, budget thing, which is way more than that anyway, there's going to be a lot of money going into groups that, you know, advocate for uh, trying to help people, okay? And now helping people sounds great, but if you create situations where people become dependent on the uh, government help, then what you're doing is creating more dependency. All right, one quickie I mean, question, and I'll let you continue. What's an example of a nonprofit advocacy group that receives government funding? Well, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm sure we could look it up. You know, I, I know you want to, you know, hold me accountable there, but let, let's face it. You, all you got to do is turn on uh, any of the uh, stations like MSNBC and CNBC, and they're always having a host of nonprofit experts, you know, that head up this group, that group, or the other thing, that are advocating for more government programs. It's as simple as that. Gotcha. Okay, so these uh, nebulous mystery ghost organizations are out there enjoying government <laughs> funding to advocate for. Are there any Republican ghost mysterious nonprofit groups? Well, you're going to you're going to point you're going to you know you're trying to tear me apart right now, but you're going to point out the NRA. You know that they don't get money directly from the. Uh, the, okay, uh, that's the fine. government, but you're going to say they're a nebulous group that are trying to destroy the country. Now, you know, basically, <laughs> I don't think my, so. my point is this: you just look around with all the issues that we have with our economy right now. We, I think, it's safe to say that it's somewhat unstable, and at the same time, we're having a growing government dependency. We have illegal immigration running rampant, and you know, we have, and, and then finally, we have global warming insanity. Okay, the United States is doing tremendous amount of work in reducing its CO2 emissions over the years, but it, we're really not getting any acknowledgement for that. All we're seeing on TV is bomb cyclones, uh, extreme weather events, on and on and on. And these things have been happening for years. Now, finally, with it, what I, my point is this: right now, I believe that China is a desperate country. Okay. And they, they're, they're not fooling around. They're talking about, you know, taking Taiwan, taking Japan, you know, taking, you know, destroying the United States. They're, they're not holding back. They're, they're talking about it. 
And right now we have a Democrat Party and a main, uh, mainstream media that's on a, a, a mission to create the Republicans, especially uh, white males, as being the real problem facing our country, when in reality we have an unstable economy, we have growing government dependency, and we have a country on the other side of the world that, you know, they would probably like to just destroy us so that they could rule the whole world. So right. I, I think that... We got the you. Country, you know, <laughs> go ahead. Well, we got you. We got to move on to the next caller, but uh, I appreciate what you say. Yeah, uh, well said. China's taken over. The Republic is crumbling, and uh, you and I are unfortunately along for the ride. How's that for a quick summary? I think that I think you got it, Mark. All right, thank you so much, <laughs> sir. Always appreciate the great calls. Fascinating listening to you too. I was waiting for the bell. You always have a <laughs> well, bell when I, I take just, somebody on. I was going to ring the bell for I, you. I think you know. If <laughs> I, I wonder what groups he's talking about. Is he, is he talking about the Red Cross or like the American Enterprise Institute? We're going to hear from them. That's a nefarious, mysterious group that uh, probably enjoys some government funding somewhere along the way, but uh, of course they got a lot of conservative groups uh, funding them also, So, but uh, yeah, outside influence is bad, there's no argument there. Okay, let's move on, Cindy stand by, we'll be right back. When it comes to car <laughs> buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way, the other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. we got two emails still pending, no texts, but we'll take more comers. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and the text is 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Cindy, you're on the mark. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for uh, putting me on the air. First of all, I didn't call about this, but I'll answer the question you proposed to that gentleman about advocacy groups who receive federal funding. One example I would, that came right to mind when you were saying this was public television and public radio. Um, another one is Planned Parenthood, and there's an organization of resettlement agencies that uh, gets federal funding through the, um, through the uh, Office of Refugee Settlement, which is under HHS. So there's the remark right there. Gotcha. All right. Thank you. But the reason I'm not saying they're nefarious. I'm just saying these are groups and they advocate and they get federal money. But the reason I called was because I just became aware yesterday of uh, Act 172 of uh, 2016. And that law, this is a Pennsylvania law, by the way, um, it says that local communities and counties, I believe, can um, give a tax break either an income tax break or a property tax break to local volunteer firefighters, volunteer firefighters. And I thought, that is just wonderful. In fact, the reason it caught my eye was because now they're 
looking to extend the law to allow school districts to do the same thing. But this brought to mind to me, does Shemokin Dam do this, Joe? We have a tax that we uh, use up to three mills for fire service, and we do impose that, yes. No, no, but did we pass a law that gives a tax cut, a tax credit, no, actually? No, not that I'm aware of. Well, boy, I think we should, and I think everybody that's listening to me, if your fire company is volunteer, volunteer, why wouldn't you want to give those people a tax break? The volunteers or the fire company? The volunteers okay, for gotcha. serving. I mean, these are people that get up in the middle of the night and on Christmas morning and come to put the fire out at your house or to rescue you out of your crushed car. Why wouldn't we want to give them a tax break? I mean, good glory, here in Shemokin Dam, we gave tens of thousands of dollars of tax break to the gas company and the marijuana company and whatever else is running down there. Why wouldn't we want to be helpful to our fellow citizens who uh, show up when we're in our most desperate straits? And they're volunteers. Let me repeat that. Volunteers. They're not paid for their time. And on top of that, to serve, they have to devote a lot of their private time, personal time, to being trained, to be allowed to do it in the first place. I, I think this is a no-brainer. We should certainly be giving these people some form of incentive for doing what they're doing. I keep hearing that we're having trouble recruiting these folks. Why don't we do this? All right. It's a way of saying we appreciate your time, your effort. Cindy, you know, this is the second time you've called in with a very municipal-specific question. Do you plan to run for borough council because you have some great ideas? No. Okay. <laughs> if you did, they could probably use your input. Well, at least go to the meetings and give them heck. I have done that. <laughs> Good. Unfortunately, they're not inclined to listen to what I have to say. Well, aren't but they required to listen to you a tiny bit, though? Well, they have to sit there and put up with listening to my speech, but they don't have to take what I have to say to heart or take action on it. Right. But this is broader than Shemokin Dam, although, believe me, I am going to write a letter to the council and ask them to do this. I think all of us should do this. By and large, in our communities in the area, aren't we all served by volunteer fire companies? I mean, back in my 20s, I ran ambulance in a volunteer fire company. I know the kind of effort the kind of commitment that you go, that you put forward to do this. It's pouring down rain, and they're still out there saving you. I mean, to give them a, you know, a $1,000 cut in their taxes seems like a small thing, but I'm thinking to myself, heck, if Shemokin Dam had this, maybe they'd want to move to Shemokin Dam. And don't I want to live in a community where most of my neighbors are thinking about helping each other? Heavens yeah. yes. Doesn't right. that make it a better community to live in? We got you. When people are oriented that way? I'm calling on all my neighbors to get in touch with their local community government and ask for this to be put through in their community. All right. Thank you so Thank much, you. Cindy. Really appreciate the call. Uh, Ken, you are next up. Uh, one of our good listeners that so far, uh, the National Rifle Association, Planned Parenthood, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which runs NPR, and another listener says to help Mike out, Catholic Charities get 60% of their funding from the federal government. They are deeply involved in advocating associated with the illegal immigrant problem at the U.S. border. Ken, what's your view on all this? Well, I had to bring it up really quickly for you. Um, League of Conservative Voters, um, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Labor's Union, all federally funded. All of them. 
Isn't one a union? Don't union dues pay for the electrical workers? Mm-mm. They get federally funded also. Oh, so the union members get in for free, but the government pays the union. Well, no, the union, they take the dues, of course, but then also they get supplements. Okay, of the, uh, the I, federal government. of the IBEW's revenue, how much is government and how much is other sources? Uh, well, of course I do not know the answer to that. Well, I'm just saying, like the NRA gets a tiny sliver of government money, and they use it for training programs and that kind of thing. So that's, and they certainly are an advocacy program, although I guess technically on paper they keep them separate. And Planned Parenthood, supposedly, they say they get a tiny sliver. Some of these things are kind of funny. The National Police Support Fund. What is that? (laughs) And and, and here's another one. I, I know this will sound odd. Gay and Lesbian Victory Fund. What does that mean? And that's government no funded. Is that 100% government funded, or are they just get a few dollars? Well, I don't think it's 100% funded, but the fact of the matter is they're still getting the money. They get some money, right. Okay, and that taints them. It's um, like Penn State gets some state money, and so they claim ownership, but it's just a tiny sliver of their budget. Right. But, yeah, you were totally wrong on that. And the other... Um, what was I wrong on? What, <laughs> That you called it ghost organizations getting government money. Only to him, in reality, I know these are real organizations. Don't be silly. I just asked him if he's worried about these organizations to name one. That's all. He couldn't. That's all. But it's no big deal. Moving on, we know that these these are actual entities that get the money. NRA, Planned Parenthood, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, IBEW, uh, primarily funded by the U.S. government. They get some dues, but primarily funded by the U.S. government. Who else? Let's let's switch topics quickly. Go. Um, what was brought up earlier is they're eliminating the stepped-up tax basis, which means when your parents pass away or whomever, you would start when they passed away. They're putting it in that it's forever, and you've got to pay tax on it. He was totally correct. Okay. All right. We got you. What else? That's about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for checking in, Ken. Always glad to hear from you. All right. 1-800-795-9565. Got open phones, two emails, and one... I don't know if we read the text. You read the text, Call us now. It's open phones. What's your view on this? 1-800-795-9565. Let's see. OpenSecrets.org says National Rifle Association receives federal government grants and uh, other funding from the U.S. government. Joe, what did you find? I found that this is from... uh, Let me see who it's from. Uh, Money Magazine, and it says, the answer depends on how we perceive federal funding. For instance, the NRA receives money from the Department of Homeland Security, the USDA, the Fish and Wildlife Services, in the form of petty transactions. However, the actual funding comes from memberships as it is a club structure. All right, one of our listeners answered, asked the question, how much federal money does the NRA get? We don't know the dollar amount yet, but as you can see there, some of the money is to conduct programs and to do things that uh, support uh, the rifle industry. The 
They get a lot of foreign money, too. Glock, I guess, is a big contributor. All right. Well, then he goes on to say, no, the NRA doesn't receive official funding from the government. There isn't a sector for such sort of funding in the first place. Therefore, the government doesn't involve itself in it, at least not directly. We understand why these inquiries arise in people's mind in the first place. A lot has to do with the NRA's notoriety. Um, All transactions that the NRA makes with the government are in the form of purchases and sales. By purchase, we are referring to the facilities and amenities that they purchase from the state, and sales refer to the services they offer to the government apart from gun security and awareness programs. One of our listeners sends a note, says, Our government is out of control, whether it's beagles in Tunisia, monkeys in California, children in public schools, or people whose lives are being destroyed over an experimental gene-manipulative vaccine that gives them control contagious and vulnerable to COVID variants, the federal government is using its unconstrained power to bring about fear, suffering, and death. This is not what the founders wanted. And when Americans vote Republicans back into power, those Republicans had better damn well bring the government to heel. Says Dennis. Thank you. Oh, that's from an article. Okay. So what we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And Just that top paragraph, that's all we can all do. All right. Uh, and it's a lengthy paragraph. I'm so sickened and disgusted about the newscast about gain-of-function research involving dear old caring for our welfare Dr. Fauci. I heard on the news about some of his research involving our canine friends over in Tunisia that is being financed through our tax dollars. I cannot believe anyone other than a sick, demented person would even be involved in such horrors. Dogs like beagles and beagles because of their friendly, easy-to-work-with nature are being used in research over there. Get this. These poor dogs are having their vocal cords removed so they can't scream and cry with pain. Then one of the things that they are doing to them is taking their heads and forcing them into a netted screened box that is full of sand flies. The sand flies eat them to death. Oh my, so horrible and why? I really wanted to give Dr. Fauci the benefit of the doubt about Wuhan and the coronavirus, but now I believe the newest story that through these research they have developed a much stronger virus with the capability of causing death in 85% of the population. All right, thank you for that. All right, we got open Makes phones. Makes him sound like Dr. Frankenstein, Ooh. which is what she calls him in well, another paragraph on. we can't read. One eight hundred too long. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is the open line. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at on the mark at wkoka.com. Text us at seven zero two three six. Include the keyword OTM. Did you hear, are you taking a break? Nope. You hear about U.S. Representative Jim Banks, a Republican from Indiana. He's been suspended from Twitter after using the wrong pronouns in a tweet about Assistant Secretary of Health Dr. Rachel Levine, who is transgender. This is CBS's story. This is not Fox News. This is okay. CBS. And you'll see the bias. Levine made history this month when she Levine. Beca- Levine, when she became the first openly transgender four-star officer in any of the nation's eight uniformed services. The Department of Human Services announced the former pediatrician's appointment also made her the first female four-star admiral in the U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps history. Banks tweeted about the historic promotion, according to the Associated Press, writing, The title of first female four-star officer gets taken by a man. The tweet is now unavailable as Banks' Twitter handle, which he uses for his personal career, political career rather, was suspended. So it was suspended for that because he said uh, the title of first female four-star officer was taken by a man. Now, I can understand, you know, CBS goes on to say Levine is a woman and was nominated by President Joe Biden in January. But what if he had said 
the title of first female four-star officer gets taken by someone born a man. Would that still be qualified for suspension? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Twitter's criteria is. But well, that's they, just I the have tip of here, the supposedly. iceberg. A lot of places, whether it's Twitter or you know, maybe on Facebook, too, or other places, other private organizations, other companies, say that if an individual is transgender, uh, the, the, the sex that they uh, become is who they are. We do this in the schools. You know, teachers aren't allowed to call a transgender student by their old gender identity. They have to refer to the new gender identity, you know, the who the stu- you know the student actually identifies so as. So did he commit a crime? I don't is think there it's is a it a crime. chargeable offense? No, I think it's disrespectful and a lot of people think he's doing the right thing, you know, that if you see somebody who's transgender, you should not respect the transition, you should not respect but, who but they he, are, he but he didn't say he didn't the respect same time, them. It's he not just illegal. he just said Well, it is disrespectful what he said. But is it true? That he's that Dr. Levine is a man, I guess in one technical sense, true. But you know, Twitter's you know this is like Facebook. That's a private organization. Okay, but they say he violated their hate speech, hate speech. Okay. Why is that hate? It's a statement of of to some people, a well, statement of fact. Well, because it's disrespectful Maybe. to individuals who are transgender. Okay. Uh, you know, hate speech you think of is more frequently to be uh, pretty vitriolic and hateful. He didn't say anything. Hateful. Didn't say anything against her qualifications. Didn't say anything against. He just merely made a comment about an, a genetic fact, if you will. Well, but no, I think if he is, had said it, if he had said she's it, I'm not wondering. a man. She is a woman. She's a transgender woman. Well, that's what CBS says. CBS says she, Dr. Levine, is a woman. Okay. That's correct. Well, what makes her a woman? The fact that she wants to be a woman? Well, she has the fact female that she, hormones and breasts and grew okay. up growing and like hair. a, uh, uh, you know, wishing that she were a woman. And uh, I don't know. Grew up you wishing. Know, we're, gonna, we're not going to rehash the whole no, transgender. You don't get but it, here, and that's fine. But this is an opportunity for people to step up and to be respectful of other people. He declined to do so, and they have a policy that prohibits it. Okay. But if he had said, I got to thinking about the semantics of the thing. He said, the title of the first female four-star officer gets taken by a man. But if he had said the title of first female four-star officer gets taken by someone born a man, would that be hate speech? I don't know. I, I, I don't know the Twitter policy. It's well, fine that it, they ban him as far as I'm concerned. I'll I tell you what, Joe, I know you're behind the eight ball on this, but no, I'm a, not. a lot of organizations, businesses, here's groups, this, and people will call this a requirement that you refer to somebody by their gender identity, not okay. who they used to be, but who they are. Well, in this case, we absolutely know what Dr. Levine's gender identity is, what she what she chooses to be. But here it says by referring no, to Levine, he it. says the by referring to Levine as a man, banks violated Twitter's hateful conduct policy, which prohibits the promotion of violence against or direct attack or threatening other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, caste, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Hateful conduct, violence. Now, how did what he said? promote violence. Well, hate speech, uh, Wikipedia, no, Oxford Dictionary, abusive or threatening speech or writing that expresses prejudice against a particular group, especially on the basis of race, religion, or sexual orientation. None of which he did. He just made a statement. Well, I think... He didn't encourage anybody to hate her. So you think somebody who refuses to recognize that an individual is transgender is not prejudiced against that individual? 
Not necessarily. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, in your world, I realize every slight is right. an and offense. In your world, every every speech and every remark is an opportunity to diss somebody. No, so it's not. See, it that's, that's the way you guys on the left go. We're right. automatically dissing somebody. We're hating somebody. And everything to use a put-down. It's <laughs> an opportunity to show that white, Anglo-Saxon, American, heterosexual that's males right. we, are we're number one. We're, we're what's wrong with the world. Shoot yeah. us all. Get your Bible out no, now, too, while you're at it. One I'm, oh, brother, you're on a roll today. Listen, all I'm saying is that they suspended this guy for hate speech. I don't think what he said was hate speech. It may have been disrespectful, as What's you point out. What's their policy say? Okay, you think it does I just not. read it to you, and you apparently have plugged your ears to the <laughs> truth. <laughs> no, I believe the truth. All right. What their policy is prohibits the promotion of violence against or direct attack or threatening other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, caste, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Now, what did he do that violates that policy? Yeah, it's not in there. It's in the broad definition from Oxford, but it's not in their policy. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you're saying they They applied the wrong... Right, they suspended him for just daring to, to state his opinion about uh, Dr. Levine's, uh, I don't want to say her sexual orientation, because it's not that, is it? It's her no, it's gender, gender identity. identity right. okay. All right. Thank you so much uh, for the comment. Joe, Al, you are on the mark. You're next on the air. <laughs> You're thanking me for disagreeing with you. Uh, thank you. And it runs against my brain to make me respect uh, somebody that's a man as a woman, I would like to just give them love and guidance and say, Honey Levine, you were born a man. Let's see if we can't get you back in the right place in your mind because you're not a woman. You're a man. That's not a very loving remark, I might add. <laughs> That's just the opposite. I think you just I think you just violated Twitter's policy. <laughs> I love you as long as you're the way I want you to be. Do not be who you are. Love, Al. That was that person was born a man, and there's nothing that person can do to become a woman. That man will never. Even if he says he's a woman, we'll never have a baby. But that, but that's we'll that's the base argument, Al. That's the base argument. Him. What I'm talking about here is stifling free speech. Here is a guy, a, a United States congressman, and the president of the United States, former president, has also been banned, who made a statement, and then they applied a policy that says it's hate speech when, by their own definition, it clearly isn't. I wouldn't be trying to hate him. I would be trying to help him come back to reality with love and understanding. Mm. And being as disrespectful as humanly possible. That's love, baby. I can't be disrespectful when I'm following the truth. (laughs) When I'm following the truth, I can't be disrespectful. That's the way God made it. So you're saying that she does not... You're saying she is not transgender and she does not identify as a woman. Well, I'd say she can do whatever she wants, you know, she wants to do. And it's not none of my business, but if I were involved in it, I would try and help that man come back to reality and say, this is what God made you. Uh, and, and you are not a woman, and you never will be a woman. 
Well, then why, you know, the thing, the other thing that gets me is if we are going for inclusion and we are going to, as Mark says, be respectful of people and what they, what they, uh, <laughs> their personal pronouns are, why do we even identify, why does CBS run a story identifying Dr. Levine as transgender? What difference does it make it's if she's doing her job? It's probably a first. It is. You shouldn't have to put down what race you are or even what sex. You could use initials. And, and then just hire people on what they're what they're going to provide and, and on their merit. Gotcha. And give them raises and stuff on their merit. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to fire a guy because he thinks he's a girl. And I'm not going to fire somebody that's going to try and give him a little direction and say, no, you, you're not really a girl. You're a man. And I love you anyway, but let's get, let's get you, you know, in the right place with God put at you as a man on this earth. And uh, let's get straightened out here. That's all. I'm just trying to love them. All right. We got you. With that kind of love, they, they might not hate. appreciate your love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about that? All right. Well, thank you so much. Better then. Thank okay. you so much, Al. Thanks for checking in. You're welcome. 1-800-795-9565. Ultra-speedy dialers. I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Ford, Hyundai, Kia. It's just that simple. Three nameplates that will lead you into the next, well into this new century. It's an opportunity for you to know that Ford, whether it's trucks or cars or electric or hybrid vehicles or Hyundai with a wide range of vehicles, they're all fuel efficient. You can't waste gas in a Hyundai. Or the Kia, that Telluride, which is near as Consumer Reports can find out. It seems like the perfect vehicle, but uh, plus a wide range of other vehicles on the Kia nameplate. This is an opportunity for you to get the best at the Sunbury Motor Company. Order one up, a Ford, Hyundai, Kia, and they are definitely interested in doing business with you. They got some new vehicles on the lot lately, so if you need a new truck or a small car, or you want to get great gas mileage or a minivan for the crew, sunburymotor.com, the perfect place to stop just to filter out. Use the ones in stock for immediate purchase. Use that filter clarification, and that'll show you the ones that are down there awaiting for you. Sunbury Motors, sunburymotors.com, sponsoring the On The Mark program. All right, we got time for a speedy dialers. we got two emails pending and a half a dozen texts, 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Uh, Joe, the world is your oyster in front of you there. Okay, you get a fourth star for saving your mother, signed by Mike. And then another writer says, I identify myself as 84 years old. I want retirement. I want SSI. Let's see if I could get it. I'm only 25 or 35. 
And then Tom, according to Snopes, Stan and other stories about Beagle torture are maybe 50% correct. Check it out. So right. 50% of the bagel, or be, beagles were tortured and the other 50% weren't? Is that the story? Right. And one thing I've learned on this show, do not correct any closely held conservative myths. They can't stand it. They have a meltdown. All right, Joe, a text. Or, oh, darn. I don't, uh, there you go. All right. Uh, if Levine's blood and DNA were checked for chromosomes, they would, uh, they would drill... How him a man. Drill how him a man, All okay. Right. Mark, when is stating the truth disrespectful? Next And one. then Jim Banks is 100% correct. Levine is a man with a mental disorder that thinks he's a woman. That's science. Actually, that wasn't my point in bringing the story up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Twitter irony, right? It's right. not. They have a policy, but it's very narrow, and that's not it. Well, they call it hate speech, and so if now, if now we just say about Dr. Levine, and, and it's certainly legitimate to question uh, her sex, isn't it? I mean, it's not like it's an absolute, and that's the way CBS states it. It's an absolute. Levine is a woman. Okay, and fine. She is a woman. But here. You know, I don't think the fact that the guy said the title of first female four-star officer gets taken by a man is hate speech. All right, Jim, you're on the mark. Uh, hi, gentlemen. Gentlemen, I won't hold you up. I enjoyed <laughs> your show today. And uh, I think Dr. Fausti, the nut, should be hauled up to Noxon and put in the center ring where the rattlesnakes are at and see how many bites it can take from them. <laughs> that's the spirit. That's, that's and your... I do have a female Biggle, and I love her just like uh, she was a little kid. Now, somebody said, uh, oh, yeah, the, the story about the Beagles is 50% true. What portion of that is true and what isn't true? You've boned up on this. What's the What, what are people saying that's not true? That I don't know, Mark. Well, there's, they're, heard, saying, uh, they're saying that about they... everything that you have heard. And I see Joe Biden is at 27 to 30 percent right now, that, according that to Hannity. The great plummet. Well, yeah. And, um, oh, who was it over the weekend? One of the talking shows that the president said the president can't go any lower in the ratings. I thought, oh, well, I see absolutely no evidence of that. I doubt that that's. Well, let's happen. talk about what 50 percent is correct. They cut the dog's vocal cords so they don't have to listen to the dog yeah, screaming in pain. I, I, they, f they starve the sand fleas and then stick the dog's head in a box where the fleas can eat it. You know, so what part, if only 50% of that is true, it's still horrible. Right. And I'd let Fausti have his vocal cords so he could scream with the pain of the rattlesnake bites. There or maybe, maybe we ought to stick his head in the sand flea box and see how he likes it. <laughs> right. And I hope you gentlemen have a good day and... I hope to uh, hear your show tomorrow. All right. We'll Thank be here. So much. Tomorrow will be Vengeful Wednesday. Everybody who has a vendetta against Dr. Fauci can come up with some uh, violent way to torture him. We'd love to hear from you. We are going to hear from the American Enterprise Institute tomorrow. Uh, that, of course, a conservative think tank. Uh, Joe asked the question about political parties running the country. Well, one of their leaders has one of the answers, and he'll talk about that tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. This is WKOK. Okay, Sunbury.